Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I, I wear a watch on my left wrist, and today, okay. I don't know what it is, I think I have a bug bite right underneath it, and it is just a, the most obnoxiously annoying thing I've ever seen in my life. See, that's why you don't go outside for like four months, as I haven't. I've gone, I mean, I've gone outside like maybe three or four times, but not, not long enough to get a bug bite, so. I, I and I don't wear Florida. a watch. I live in Florida where the bugs are the size of your head, so yeah, you don't no, really have a you. choice. That's why, anyway. I, one of so, so many reasons why I don't live in Florida. Oof, you, yeah, right now especially. But anyway, <laughs> me, that's been bugging me, me all day. So. the ways. Uh, yeah. hey. Oh, it's been bugging me. I didn't even mean that one. But anyway, um, <laughs> Ashley, you have a couple of really exciting interviews coming up this week. I First, do. our dear, dear friend, Robbie Rizell. Um, you're going to be talking to him yes, tomorrow. Not exactly sure what day that's going to come out, but... Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Um, so tomorrow, on tomorrow's episode. And then who was the other interview with? MJ Kaufman, who wrote the play Masculinity Max. They will be a part of the Pride Plays right, yeah. presentations. Very cool. So those are coming up on Thursday and Friday uh, of this week. Of course, you can always hear all of our episodes with interviews, especially, but uh, even today on Broadway now is appearing in Patreon first before it hits the regular feed the following morning. You can head to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I really appreciate that even this far in, and I noticed this the other day, we both always do both addresses. Well, I mean, James went through the hassle of uh, <laughs> redirecting. True. We have to honor his work. I mean, it's been a, it took him a whole, like, I don't know, 45 seconds. We might as well <laughs> go ahead and do we it. We might as well keep doing it until the end of time. Right, or the end of Patreon or Broadway Radio, whichever one comes Shh, first. How dare you. Um, <laughs> um, I'm here forever. You're, for, you're going to keep doing it whether I'm anybody immortal. else is or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've got a fairly short news show, but I have a little bit of a review for a virtual semi-interactive show that I saw on Sunday, so we'll do that at the end of the episode. But actually, let's first talk about some COVID-y news that came up in uh, on, on Tuesday. First, the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts announced on Tuesday that they will cancel most of their previously announced performances and events through the end of 2020 with some planned programs moving to spring 2021 and beyond. However, new programming that will be working within the D.C. mayor's guidelines for whatever phase that they're in in the nation's capital will be announced next month and will take advantage of the Kennedy Center's ample outdoor spaces to allow for socially distanced programming. This shift in programming will also impact the 43rd Annual Kennedy Center Honors, which will now take place on March 7th of 2021, and will be aired at a later date on CBS. That normally happens on, like, uh, it airs normally on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve yeah. or something like that. So it'll be a, a little bit of a, a, little bit a Christmas before, Eve usually. or Christmas Day, Africa, somewhere around there. Um, it's uh, like it's, Yeah, it's like the week of Christmas usually, I believe. Yeah, I can never keep days straight at that point. So, um, But the Kennedy Center also says that due to cancellations, they are expecting to lose an estimated $45.7 million in ticket sales and other income during the season. Of course, in the first congressional uh, relief efforts, they did get $25 million, which is great, but that still leaves an almost $21 million shortfall. Now, actually, we will have a link in the show notes that has some further details about what things have been postponed to the spring, what things are still waiting for a new date, if people want to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but speaking of the financial impact of things being canceled, at their first ever virtual annual convention, the Americans for the Arts organization released some fairly staggering stats about how the pandemic and the subsequent shutdowns have impacted the arts in this country. For example, they say that uh, 62% of artists and creative workers in the United States are now fully unemployed. 94% of them report some sort of income loss. Mm. And the average per worker to date is $21,000 lost. So that's each arts worker in whatever form that is yeah. losing twenty-one k. <laughs> Sounds um, right. That sounds about eight, right on a personal level. Yeah. And 80% of them don't really have a post-pandemic plan. They don't know what's going to happen. Then on the organizational side, the collective estimates to date indicates a $6.7 billion shortfall. 96% of all events have been canceled. 234 million lost admissions. Nearly a quarter of uh, quarter reduction in staffing. And 10% doubt the organization's ability to outlast the pandemic. So fairly staggering numbers, Ashley. And of course, as we've said, um, it's highly unlikely that anything will happen on a federal level to support these organizations. Sure, Hopefully yeah. something will happen on a more local, whether that's state or or city or county or whatever. Um, hopefully there will be some sort of support there because with that much lost revenue and those many organizations really struggling, this can't just be um, something that you push on to donors because there's not going to be enough donor yeah. money to go around to support all of these organizations. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you talked about the Kennedy Center's loss of, uh, you know, expected to lose $45.7 million and they got, what did you say, 25 from the federal? Correct. So the rest of that has to come from some kind of either donors or programming in some form or another. And that it's, it's not going to happen. Washington, D.C., is in phase two right now. You weren't sure of the fa- you weren't sure of the phase. They're in the same phase as New York City, uh, and there's you know there's very little open right. Things are slowly starting to open, but there's very little as far as what is generating income right now. We've talked about in the past, like New York City theater, and how much of an economic impact that has. So, you know, looking at these federal programs and state programs not giving money to arts programs is always disheartening, even more disheartening as we get further into this pandemic. I'm talking about the Americans for the Arts Organization numbers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just as far as the... Having a post-pandemic plan is always really interesting to me because we've talked about many, many times in the show. We have no idea what's going to happen. And as a freelancer myself, uh, there's very little as far as it's specifically an arts freelancer, but also specifically as a journalist. There's very little in terms of funding of what you can do. Like there are very stringent guidelines that you have to meet for both federal unemployment as well as like EIDL, small business loans. So things are going to either continue as they are or they're going to get worse before they get better. And that's kind of hard to think about because especially for artists who we don't know when the end will be and we don't know when the theater is going to get back up as you talked as you guys talked about yesterday 
uh, you know, it's going to be at least January, if that, which it won't be that. And then we have to think about what the quote unquote new normal, which I hate that term, but still is going to look like. Yeah, it was a, a good TV show on NBC for season to start Andrew Rannells. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, one of the things that I think about when we talk about government um, supporting arts organizations, and you mentioned the fact that arts organizations are often huge economic drivers in. Right. It was like New York State numbers were like more than sports and everything else combined. Yeah. And that's the thing is that in the sports world, we often talk about um, the fact that local government, cities, states, basically pay for huge new arenas and stadiums to be built. And the thought is that that those are going to be economic drivers for communities as well. However, the actual research shows that they are not. They are a drain. They actually cost more money in the long term because of all the taxes that have to have to go into it, the money that has to be taken. Exactly. And 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 like the police and the uh you know the, well. the trash collect well i'm just saying those <laughs> I have, things are I was often say, i have a recommendation how you can yeah. cut down some of those costs i'm sure you can but what i'm saying <laughs> is that billions of dollars go into these things and and yet they don't get the return theater is not doesn't need anything other than the money they don't need Correct. additional support Correct. so if that money was actually invested into the arts community we know that there would be a return on investment Exactly. Uh, for whatever means, and we've seen it. We've seen it in very parochial terms because we're not receiving that support. But we've seen it as far as you know. The, it, again, in looking at New York State numbers, if their if their output is more than anything else combined, then clearly something is working that needs to be invested in. Yeah, and it's and it's true in places. That don't have Broadway as well. It's true in Atlanta. Oh, it's true in Chicago. All of these places, whether it's theater, whether it's symphonies, whether it's arts museums, um, they have the same types of impacts. Obviously, perhaps yeah. not on the scale of New York City, but all of them have sure, huge sure. impacts. They are economic drivers. And whenever we get to the point where we can have these discussions about next how to address this, which is not going to happen in Congress until after the 4th of July because they're mm-hmm. just taking some time off because they don't think anything's going on in the they world. They don't have anything else to do, sure, yeah. No, I, I hope that somehow someone slips this in while people on a certain side of the aisle don't realize it. Mm. But All right, so let's get into some of our recommendations. Ashley, I'm going to recommend uh, a couple of virtual works from out-of-the-box theatrics. Now, this is the organization... That if you remember, like uh, uh, Alice Ripley did, like the weird one person show called Pink Bunny. This is that oh, organization. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So they're going to be doing two virtual shows in uh, July. They have nothing to do with each other, they are very, very different. But the one reason I wanted to point these out is because these two shows have a very interesting connection. And actually, I want you to see if you can figure out what they are. Oh, God. <laughs> the first show coming at, uh, from July 14th through the 20th at 7.15 p.m. will be Adam Rapp's, Adam Rapp's Nocturne. The theater company actually first produced the show, which is from the early aughts, but they first did it in 2018 at a hat shop. Um, so they are now going to be doing the full piece virtually uh, in mid-July. That is Adam Rapp's Nocturne. 
Then uh, from July 23rd through July 29th at 7.15 p.m., they will be doing uh, the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which they first did in 2016 on a playground. Um, But now, of course, it's going to be done virtually as well with much of the same cast for both of those shows that they originally did in their off-off-Broadway runs. So that is uh, Adam Rapp's Nocturne and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown from... Uh, out-of-the-box theatrics coming in July. So, Ashley, can you think God. of the connection between those two shows? The only thing... Uh, oof. Ooh. Uh, I know... I very vaguely know about Nocturne, which is about a piano prodigy. So the only connection I can think of is between that and, like... Too much. Yeah. <laughs> too, too much. You're working too hard. See? That's... I mean, hey, put that on my business card, yeah. I guess. Schroeder... Schroeder is not the connection I'm looking okay. for. Okay, but no, I've got nothing else otherwise. All right, Nocturne was written by Pulitzer Prize finalist Adam Rapp. Correct. And the last Broadway revival of Your Good Man Charlie Brown stars starred his brother, Anthony Rapp. Ah, very nice. Yeah, a rap family reunion. Yeah, have a little rap battle. A little rap sheet, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, other... I like rap battle. Rap battle is better. Yeah, there you go. Just off the top of my head, I'm, I'm yeah. coming from the dome, sitting oh. here at home. Oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> too much Hamilton uh, trailer watching. I absolutely hate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the other recommendation that I want to mention is a number of uh, Chicago alums, including Amra Faye Wright, who seems like she's been with the show forever, did a virtual cell block tango uh, uh, as part of CBS's Sunday morning, I believe. Um, so you can uh, check that out. It is always, uh, you know, I think we kind of, a lot of Broadway people at this point kind of roll their eyes at Chicago because it's been around for so long, but let me tell you, Cell Block certainly Tango the, is still a bop. This, certainly, maybe the current-ish revival, but yeah, I mean, Chicago. It's a Chicago yeah. is an incredible musical, and Cell Block Tango is one of the best songs in this theater. Absolutely. Come on. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about is on Sunday night, after reading uh, Maya Phillips's Critics Pick review in the New York Times, I decided to check out Arlequin Players Theater's production of State versus Natasha Bonina. The company was founded by immigrants and is in a suburb of Boston. About 10 years ago, it was founded. And this show is a semi-interactive one-woman play in which a woman, Natasha Bonina, tries to convince a jury, which is the audience, uh, to find her not guilty for a crime, which you learn more about throughout the production. It does take place during the current pandemic, which explains why the jury is assembled uh, via video. They do ask you some questions like a jury questionnaire at the beginning, and then you have something else in the middle of the show, and then um, they ask you for your verdict so at it's the in- end. So it's interactive. Yeah, semi. I mean, it's not super interactive, but there are a few moments where you get like a little Zoom pop-up survey uh, that you fill out. But the show is directed by Igor Goliak and performed by Daria Denisova. Uh, Denisova is the only person on screen other than a little pop-in video type thing. Um, but she tells this really compelling story about a Russian orphan uh, living in a, a basically an orphanage and going to school there and who has uh, a, a few run-ins with people throughout the course of her story and falls in love and all these things. And 
for multiple reasons, both in terms of the story itself and the presentation of how they do it, the show kind of feels like you, not the character, but feels like you are recalling a dream. Everything is a bit hazy and details don't always logically add up, but everything still feels like it fits together nicely anyway. It is almost entirely shown in black and white, as if you were watching Natasha tell her story from her cell because this is being done virtually. However, between that and some other fairly surprising yet fairly simple video effects, it all kind of adds to this dreamy, otherworldly feel to the show, which was really engrossing and really kind of... um puts you into another mindset than if you were watching this on stage. I think, I think I don't know that that you would get the same vibe from the show. If you were sitting in a theater, watching it at about an hour, the performance goes by pretty quickly, but unfortunately, ultimately, ultimately the climax of the story and the ending of the show really left me disappointed up until the final minutes. They do a, a really masterful job of building some suspense, adding a bunch of layers upon layers, There's tons of intrigue and a bit of misdirection. But in the end, I feel like almost they look at a clock and be like, oh, it's an hour. So they rush the conclusion, both from the plot and the production standpoint. And it leaves you a little dissatisfied at the end. However, uh, what comes before is really uh, interesting. And Denisova does a fantastic job performing it. Uh, But I might be out on my own here because the show has been successful enough to warrant an extension on Sunday nights through July 12th. Tickets are free, which is great, but they do offer you the option of making a donation to the theater, which obviously if you are financially able to do the, do so when you watch the show, you should obviously do it. Um, I also recommend you search out uh, Maya Phillips's critics pick review for the New York times. Maya Phillips is one of those, um, the, the New York times fellows, that uh, mm-hmm. we talked about a few months ago. Um, and uh, this is not her first piece for it, but it's the first sure. review of hers that I've read. So um very interested and excited to see what else she is able to do during and post-pandemic for the very times. Cool. So, so this was written specifically for zoom slash the pandemic slash virtual theater right i don't know if i don't know if this existed beforehand but the way like what you see on the screen could not happen in a real theater uh because there are some special effects um they even talk about some i don't i don't know what it is like but some some video game technology included as well nothing is super high tech it's not really super high tech at all um but like i said it kind of adds to the um, to the dreamlike state of it. It's set in Russia, mm. so you almost kind of feel like it's a thing out of time. So you don't exactly know what time it is, uh, like when it's taking place. But um, I don't think that the show, as it's constituted on the screen, would work in a theater. They might have a different version um, sure. that they do on stage, but it is very unique uh, in in the way it's being presented now. I like that. I, I mean, it sounds very much up my alley as far yeah. as anything being like semi-interactive but also like <laughs> I, I it's a trial so it sounds like you're trying to suss out some of these you're trying to suss out details and put the puzzle together which is always yeah. very much what i'm into it, it's it's not that oh no you've ruined <laughs> it for me be. already well, I, I don't want to give you the wrong idea i mean it's it's really this woman telling her story it's like a okay. long 
cross-examination without the examination. Mm. Um, so th- it's not like a whodunity type thing. It's really her explaining right. the actions. She doesn't deny the action that got her there, uh, okay. but she's trying to explain it. So you have to determine whether she should be found guilty of a crime or not. Hmm. So, okay. Well, yeah. it's some, it sounds like it's somewhere in between what I want and what I don't. Want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it, there are certainly look for free, other than a donation, yes, um, you could yes. have much worse times uh, sitting at home on a Saturday I will night. definitely check it out. Yeah, so I will, I will let you know what I feel about it as well. Sounds good. And of course, I'll have a link in the show notes so you can get all of that information. But that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Reading. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. Don't forget that we have uh, interviews with uh, Robbie Rizal and MJ Kaufman uh, coming up later this week. So head over to Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, BroadwayRadio.com slash Patreon to get those interviews before anybody else. Have a wonderful hump day, everybody, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.